It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back to the Ambiguously Blind Studio. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast project. Our guest for this episode is Morten Bondi. Morten is a fascinating guy who lives in Denmark and is the author of the book Sentenced to Blindness, Now What?, which chronicles his journey with retinitis pigmentosa and the path he took to reprogram his mind, his brain, his subconscious to turn his hopelessness into possibilities. And really the concepts of this book can be adapted for anyone facing any sort of challenge or adversity in life. We'll have a link to the book and to Morton's website in the show notes of this episode and at ambiguouslyblind.com. Hey, Morton. Thanks a bunch for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Thank you very much, John. Happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation about your, uh, your book, Sentence to Blindness, Now What? It is a fascinating read, and I want to get really into that. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about your visual condition, Morton. Uh, you have retinitis pigmentosa. When did you discover yeah. that, and kind of what's that been like for you? I discovered it uh, back in 2002 when I was uh, 29 years old, and and uh, it was it was actually coincidence. I I have as a, as a child I was playing a lot of badminton, and you you people over there in the states you you laugh about that because it's it's more a hobby thing. But here in Denmark, it's actually a, a huge thing. You we have you know we just recently got the, the olympics master uh, champ in in badminton so i was playing that when i was a child and i had a, a break for approximately 14 years and when i was around 29 i was invited to to a game and i had these weird blind spots when i was playing and no one could really you know no ophthalmologist in my my area could tell me what was going on so i was sent to the to the facility in Denmark who diagnoses rare genetic disorders and they, they could tell me that I had retinitis pigmentosa and um, that was um, that was kind of a, a shock because I was in in the beginning of my life I was I had to started working in the advertising industry so that wasn't really a, a, a you know something that I asked for or wished for so I basically decided to just pretend it wouldn't you know be something that I had to deal with. And um, yeah, I just continued life as nothing had happened. I can relate to that pretending and kind of uh, acting like something isn't there. I, I also think it's fascinating that you found it while playing badminton. You're right. We don't really play bad, badminton here in the <laughs> in America, but no, uh, I'm certainly familiar with it, but you guys take it pretty seriously, huh? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It is a huge part here in, in Denmark. Uh, we go up against the, the big nations like China and Malaysia and Japan. They are they are really good over there. But but for some weird reason in Denmark we're really good at playing badminton and uh, yeah and I was playing that. It's like like football in in the states. It's it's a big thing here. Yeah, well, everybody's got to be good at something. So <laughs> yeah. Prior to this badminton experience uh, later in life for you, you, there wasn't really any signs or symptoms that you really noticed. It was just so gradual that it really wasn't apparent to you? Yeah, I didn't notice it because, you know, it, it, the way that you lose sight uh, with retinitis pigmentosa is that it, it, it slowly affects the night, uh, your night vision and you become, it become 
diff, more and more difficult to see in, in darkness. And um, I, it didn't even notice that. Maybe I maybe I did when I no when I look back when I think back I, I could I, I can actually remember it was a problem, but but it was mostly the weird thing about you know, this this. Um, Shuttlecock, I think it's called the the ball. Mm-hmm. It just disappeared, and and whoa, what's going on? And and my the people around me were like, "Hey, what's what's happening?" And I couldn't couldn't tell. So, so I had no no idea about it until I made that visual test where you look into the screen, and then you have you're pressing a a little button when you see a light goes on, mm-hmm. and I I there are a lot of things of areas where I didn't see that light. So so they diagnosed me with retinitis pigmentosa mm, yeah it's amazing you didn't um, get an injury or something getting hit with a racket or something <laughs> yeah you know i i didn't really it, it didn't really feel it and i didn't i think i didn't really um i didn't i didn't experience problems until some years later and then it and then it started to become a problem but i just found ways to just constantly you know cope with it or hack um, heck life in a way that you just you know continued to doing what I was doing and um, and um, I had a job that is very visually demanding because I'm a I'm an art director so I work on screen and I work with Photoshop and I will, I, I did um, commercial uh, commercials and and it was uh, yeah it was just something that slowly drained my 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 you know my energy uh, without me even noticing, but I, I experienced being very stressed out and um, I couldn't keep up at work. And um, I, I, I had, a, I had a, some really rough years from around 2013 to, uh, to around 2016, I think. And I imagine during that time, um, you are all these adaptations, all this stress, um, nobody knows about your visual impairment. You're just learning about your visual impairment, so you don't even really know. And your your I, I can relate to the to the well, I call this podcast the ambiguously blind podcast because nobody re- really detected it. And you were kind of living in, I don't know, sort of like a prison or sort of like uh, I, I, that's not the I don't know what the right word to describe is, but you were not being yourself and you were constantly stressed out about how am I going to do this job, which is very visually demanding mm. <laughs> um, as my my vision is is going away. That's got to be, I, I don't know, that's wow. How, how did that work? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I actually told people around me that I had, these, I, I, I didn't really hide it as such, but I didn't talk about it. I didn't share people uh, with people my my limitations in you know in in everyday life. So so uh, an an example could be going to the, the canteen finding food. I would not say to anyone that I you know it, it takes much more time for me to find stuff in the canteen than other people. And I didn't ask for help because I didn't want to be different and I didn't want to stand out as the, you know, the visually impaired guy. So, so I just, yeah, I just, I just kept on going. And uh, of course that is, you know, that's energy consuming to always. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, always anticipating and, and trying to, you know, 
be in front of things when you know that you have to you know you have to be extra diligent and you have to be extra observant uh, compared to my my colleagues and and people and people seem uh, seem much more relaxed me. about things yeah yeah so you so you 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 know in a sense you're always stressed out uh, because you are so so much you know in 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 alert mode all the time and i think uh, to, to around 16 summer of 16 i my body just shut down i i was very busy at the moment i was i was dealing with i think of 22 animated movies that i had to to you know evaluate i had to give give feedback to the production company and had to you know separate them from each other know what was going on there and know where are we in this part of the process and and one day I just, my body just, you know, I, I was just shaking all over and it, it simply said, it, it was, it was a wake up call for my body. And it said to, you know, he said, you know, the boss upstairs, like the mind, he, he, he lost it. He, he's not in control of this situation. We have to tell him that this doesn't work. He will kill himself if he, if he continues doing this. And I think I'm just, you know, I'm just grateful today that we have a, a, a very intelligent body that knows when enough is enough. And that was in, in 16. Yeah, I think something else that was a wake-up call for you, uh, you talk about in the book, was a meeting at the municipal office to figure out career-wise uh, what you were going to do. How did that play out? Yeah, it was um, it was in the December of 16. And uh, I had experience for... For half a year, I think in the summer of of, of sixteen, I st- I had to stop, you know, for for a period of time to work to figure out how am I going to deal with this. I was I was I was I learned in the summer of sixteen that I was legally blind, which was whoa, what is what does that even mean? And the the doctor told me that I had a visual field less than ten degrees. So if you look through a like a, a toilet paper roll <laughs> or something like that you, know, um, you 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 see the world through a tunnel and uh, that tunnel was was uh, has shrunk down to four degrees so so that's not very much vision and uh, and I was surprised when the doctor said you actually have that vision and I said oh I, I didn't know and I was actually driving at that time because the, you know that that's the f- weird thing about the mind it just you know, it, 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 if it's stressed out, it will try to keep you going for as long as possible, as possible, because you can't, you know, you can't stop now. You are doing important stuff. You have to continue and continue until the, you come to a point where the body is simply so stressed out. But, but I was sitting there in the municipality office uh, job center. It's also called here in Denmark. And uh, I had this moment when I felt that, you know, this is it. My life is over. I can't continue being the person I have been. I uh, can't be the father I want to be. I can't be the husband I want. Everything just seemed to be just, you know, lost. And I actually thought about what's the meaning of, you know, continuing <laughs> even. It's not like I would say I was suicidal or anything, but I was I was really thinking, is there anything to live for now if I am at this point I, that I've been trying to avoid for so many years? But I felt for a moment that, you know, it was almost like a, it, it, it was a liberation. It, it was, it was, um, it, it was relief 
to feel that all those identities for a very short moment it, they just died and i i i simply surrendered at that at that moment and i had this very strong you know this epiphany this strong voice in my head that said morton what do you want out of life because i was not i was not happy i was always looking for what can go wrong i had this inner dialogue that was constantly negative and telling me all the things that that would happen to me when i lost sight one at one point in the future and i had that moment right there where i realized you know i have a choice in life i have a choice to decide how i want to deal with this visual impairment becoming blind and that was that was a moment where everything just changed for me I think you talk about it in the book. I th- what you just described was hopelessness street. You were you were yeah. just you were just cruising down hopelessness street, yeah. and uh, you wanted to intersect with uh, possibility road and and change change directions, right? Yeah, I, I make those. You know, that's you know, in the book. I I have those metaphors or those you know different ways to talk about things that gives you uh, images. You know, everyone can relate to being at hopelessness street whoa that's that sounds like a, a dark place and you can almost imagine yourself walking there in in the shade and and possibility road oh that, that must be sounds a bright great. place yeah, for the sun great. yeah exactly and that's just for me a way to use words to make people you know instantly feel what the word actually means instead of saying i was uh, I, I was in a dark place or i felt hopeless or so I, 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 I invent those words and those ways to make people feel what it is that I'm trying to say. And, and I just wanted to people to see it as a place instead of, instead of a, you know, a, a um, state of mind. It's actually a place and you can seek that place. You can go to that place. And I wanted to go to Possibility Road instead of being on Hopelessness Street all the time. And in the book, you talk about a lot of ways uh, how you got to Possibility Road. And um, a couple of them were uh, things I want to get more detailed with you here with is uh, meditation and mindfulness. Because I've heard you say it in the book, too. Our our minds play tricks on us. Our subconscious is really driving the ship here. And we we have to reprogram the subconscious to, to look at things differently based on how we want to experience life, not how we have experienced life. I don't know if that's exactly the summary you would say, but it makes sense. Yeah. Tell me about how you got to mindfulness, um, maybe through meditation or one through the other, but how did that work for you? Uh, I was, um, when back in 2013, 14, when I was, when I started feeling the pressure, um, I, I went to a couple of uh, therapists or stress coaches and and um, we were trying to uncover or you know understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling and I was having those challenges and I, and I never really mentioned my vision to them but but one of the things that they introduced me to a couple of them it was actually mindfulness and uh, mindfulness meditation and and at that point I was just you know I didn't really see the point you know I wanted to get fixed, right? I wanted to, you know, uh, tell me what to do. And uh, and they were constantly trying to poke to me that you have to you have to be better at understanding what's going on in your body. But you know, I'm a I'm a guy, right? You say, you know, don't give me that. Just 
tell me what to do and I want to Yes, that's my how life we work. And, that's know. how us men work. Just uh, give me the prescription, tell me the, what to do it's, and that's what I'll do yes. and we'll just all move on here. Yeah, so I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't really understand anything of what they were trying to to tell me. So um so I had this this, this one day when I when I visited the door, I had an appointment with 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 the last of the um, stress coaches I was going to because I, I I couldn't you know when I went to the first one I said yeah it doesn't make sense and I went to the next one and it didn't make sense and I went to and the the fourth one looked at me and I I'm sure she looked through that you know thinking machine that I had that was really really you know working at at high pace all the time and she said you know I can't talk to this guy. And she invited me for a walk and we went through the forest and she asked me to just walk in a, in a way where you put just one foot in front of the other, like no space between them. And then I had to walk very slowly like that through the forest. And I said, what's, what's this about? And I noticed I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really hold the balance. It was very difficult to walk like that. And we were, and, and every time we started talking, I just started walking faster again. And she said, "No, you have to walk slowly." And I said, "Okay, I, I walk slowly." And then she asked me to try to listen to what was going on around me. And I started, "Oh, there were birds singing," and and she said, "Okay, what can you feel?" And I felt the wind on my cheeks and my in on my head, my bald head, and uh, I started noticing that there was a world outside of me. And and I had you know five senses that could actually take in information, and then we walked very slowly, and we we were sitting on a bench, and she said to me, "Okay, now close your eyes and um, just start to breathe." And I, I started breathing, and she said, "Can you feel your feet?" And and I know, okay, this is mindfulness, all right. But then I had this strange experience that all of a sudden, when I had my eyes closed. I felt that the upper part of my body was floating sideways next to me and my my buttocks and my legs was seated on the bench and it was so weird I had got to be strange yeah that was really strange and I didn't I, I was and then I said to to the the, the the stress coach you know this is what's happening and said you know you are fully assembled there's no need to worry but just could <laughs> keep keep continuing closing yeah. your eyes yeah, but you know, after this is this experience, it took me around two years to really understand that you know I had no contact to my body. I was just living in my head all the time, and I was trying to solve everything by thinking about them. You know, trying to figure out in my mind how I could deal and solve something that was unsolvable because I couldn't change that I was becoming blind, but my brain was just constantly trying to think out a plan that could you know, somehow help me in this situation. But there was nothing that the brain could do. And that ended up in stress because it was unresolved. It was like never ending stress to try to solve something that was unsolvable. And and um, that was a wake up call when I noticed that, you know, the only way that I can actually deal with this situation is to teach myself to see it from a different perspective. You know, have a new mindset, seeing um the the fact is that i am becoming blind but can i change my perspective on that can i tell myself a new story then then that it will be like the end or it will be 
darkness it would be the i would be unhappy can i actually influence that judgment on that situation and that's where mindfulness comes in because if you if you open your up if if you open your mind up to like ancient philosophies and ancient tools that are, they have actually been practiced for thousands and thousands of years you you create the ability to have a little bit of space between what you experience in life and how you respond to it and the autopilot is just an amazing thing it helps us deal with you know a lot of uh, regular routine uh, things in life but you know if we just rely on the autopilot it will just become autom automatic to think in a certain way and do things in a certain way but i realized that you know with mindfulness meditation i can actually bring myself into this present moment and see it with a very focused you know awareness on what is actually going on right now not what my mind is telling me about it but actually what's going on right now and then you can make a new decision to not wanting to go down stress road or you know fear uh, scarcity or, or you know, all those things that we automatically go towards because the mind um 70 percent of our thoughts actually evolve you know are actually about what can go wrong you know, what we don't want because that's the way we survive as a species and um and we can we can then stop for a moment and make a new decision that will change your life instead of keeping you in that mindset that you are in right now and that's where mindfulness becomes important and meditation becomes important because meditation helps you create that ability to focus and keep focused on one thing only and that's very difficult for people to do because we have this mind that and thoughts that just constantly bombard us and um and we we are we have a difficult time telling the difference between what is a thought and what is actually re reality right now yeah and you decided to uh, change your story i think you went on a pretty mad tear of just learning reading absorbing yep. information you went through a slew of books on yep. things from psychology and religion and what was the the scope of your your research i think it was just random things when i when i when i noticed and acknowledged that i had a mind that needed to change in a way you know you have to come to that point where you want to change first of all you can't no one can help you you know decide that you have to you have to be so sick and tired of what you are in right now that you you know move yourself from that position and and i noticed that you know the internet is a you know people we can all learn everything we want to learn today through the internet and and i think i picked a book it was a book by uh i think the author the author it's called greg brayton and it, it the title was kind of intriguing to me it, it was called uh spontaneous um healing of belief i think something like that and i think oh healing uh and I, 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 let let's see what that is and and that book was kind of out there for me because it it was new ideas that was strange to me and alien to me but but um I started, I started getting interested in how can 
we apply knowledge that, that is really ancient. It's been around for thousands thousands of years, but Buddhism and Hinduism and they are they are they are talking about discovering how it is that we are influenced by our our thoughts and um, and how we create reality in our thoughts. And I thought I could see some similarities to similarities to my situation. So I was, so I was just got really interested in 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 all that stuff philosophy and 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 biology and and everything came together in one big cocktail that's that shaped some kind of you know a, a philosophy for me that i'm living after now and i think kind of the main theme that was running through there was trying to change uh, your story which is another way to say that would maybe be to change your subconscious change your way of thinking change yeah. um your your old habits create new habits that are um, move things in a different direction than just the, the, the ordinary autopilot, I think is kind of what you call it. Is that what happened for you? Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, in all the literature that I started consuming was about how you can, you know, put yourself in the driver's seat again. In, if you have a feeling that you're sitting in, 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 in the back <laughs> and watching some thumb things steering the car and it's not you and i said i want to be the one steering my vessel which is my body and um so so the book is 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 kind of my way to share information that helped me move from hopelessness street to possibility road so so i kind of took all those information all that information and and i have the advantage i'm not a scientist i'm not a brain researcher or a neuroscientist or you know any of those things i'm just a guy coming up with stories for commercials and i i said i can believe whatever i want and i can talk about whatever i want as long as i am not telling anyone to do anything i'm just inspiring people and showing them how i moved out of my stagnant and and, and hopeless situation into becoming a person who can you know very quickly see the the positives in aspects of life that hits us, even even negative things, has something positive in them because you can always say that something that is bad in your life will teach you something. Well, that's great. That's positive, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, and that you know that distinct that that distinction is something that we make in ourselves. It, it's not no one else can do it. So, so having that curiosity to look at obstacles in life as possibilities to make changes internally that's that's the way that i look at challenges right now and and um and, and that helps me in the situation that i'm in i think that is a tremendous way to do it and i probably should have said this earlier in our discussion but uh, sentence to blindness now what is the the title of the book but it's really not about blindness this could be applied to anybody that has challenge in their life. Uh, your challenge, my challenge, happens to be a uh, vision impairment, but really you could substitute yeah. that for whatever's going on in someone's life. And the, these, these, these things that you talk about in the book and the procedures and the, the things that you did, and those can really apply to anybody with challenges. Yeah, uh, I wanted this book to be not about becoming blind. It, it, obviously it is because that's, you know, my my big life challenge, but but I also stress out very very um, 
um, I, I make it really clear in the book that that you can substitute blindness to to whatever, and and it can be little things like just the way that we perceive reality. Some people have this, um, you know, a lot of us and, and me too, even uh, have this bad habit of of um, judging things. It's, it's so our brain, our our brain is just constantly evaluating what is going on out outside of us and then we quickly quickly label it and and then we sometimes have a tendency to get stuck in that that label that we put on things and um and what i want to tell people in the book is that if we can release you know the if we can get out of that prison that we put ourselves in that is you know like a, a prison in the mind that is stuck on a certain way to see things, then the reality will change because if we, if we change how we think about things, you know, things change in reality. That's, that's, it sounds so, it sounds so strange when you hear it the first time, but it, 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 you can literally change things outside of you. If you change the way that you perceive them and think about them. And, um, and and we think it's impossible to control that, but it actually it, it actually is. And it's important to really come in tune with your your body and 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 your mind. I think is kind of what you're saying too. And I think a way you portray that in the book is your interactions with the Letterman. That was pretty fascinating yeah. to me. So tell tell me about the Letterman. They are some characters that I that I encounter or I met during the process that started in 17 where I started writing the book and um, and also developed my talk that I that I share and um, I can I cannot say too much about them because they have a role in the book to teach you something and um, and um, I won't say too much about them. I actually never talk about them in my talks. They, I have a little hint at the end of the talk where I have a trailer that talks about the book, and in that trailer, the signal to what I'm 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 telling about the book in the trailer, and then the the signal is cut off. Poof, and the, and the trailer says, you know, "Oh man, you gotta, gotta read the book, I guess, huh?" Yeah, the the signal is dis, disrupted or or um, oh, I see. shut down by yeah. by Mr. N. And then you have to think, oh, what? who is Mr. Mr. N? N. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, I think you have to read the book and then experience for yourself what they are. And because um, I, I have learned from people that people actually have their different uh, experiences reading the book and, and relating to them. So, so that, that has to be a little bit of a surprise. And for some people, it's a huge surprise. And for some people, it's like, well, it's pretty obvious more than you're, you're a lousy, uh, you're a lousy plot writer, but, but for some, it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. So that's also very interesting to see that people are, are seeing, you know, from different perspectives. And, um, and that's also very good to know when you, when you, relate to people and and uh, meet people that we all see things differently and um and um and, and understand things differently and we are different 
places in life and come from different backgrounds and uh, but we but we basically basically we the same yeah i think it's genius how the the lettermen are, are woven into the story and i think it's something that everybody actually i don't think i know it's something that everybody can relate to and how it how it works into the story i think is uh it was geniusly done so bravo with the letterman there oh thank you you talk about reprogramming your subconscious and really how important that is uh, at least it was for you and, and how i think you it's important to, to all of us so talk talk to me about reprogramming your uh, subconscious yeah you know it was it was interesting for me when i in in 16 when i was sitting in the municipality in the in the job center office and i had this sort of moment where i realized i have to change i have to change something in myself i re- i realized that it was so difficult to change you know i had i had a mind i had a will that said i want to change i i one day i was watching a a, a little movie clip on on youtube uh with a guy called um, Nick Vujicic, and he was born without arms and legs, and uh, he's just he's just become a huge inspiration for thousands and thousands of people around the world with his talks, where he where he share his philosophy and how he just you know changed the way that he was you know perceiving himself as this visually no no this uh, disabled guy with no arms and legs into becoming someone who can really change perception of um, um, you know, change the way people were looking at themselves and their lives and their obstacles. And I wanted to be the same, but I couldn't change. So I, I, I asked myself the question, why is it so difficult to change habits? We know that all of us, we, we have a wish, we have a desire to change something in our lives. But, you know, after a week, we get back to the old way of living. And um, I started getting into more into the psychology behind that. And um, I learned that we have you know this subconscious or unconscious mind and then we have the 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 conscious mind and and um in the subconscious we have all those we call them we can, we can call them programs you know automatic behavior automatic programs that just you know acts out um without us even being aware of it and and what what i what I learned and what, what was a shock for me to learn is that 95, around 95% of our life, we are just run by programs, you know, habits that we have learned or picked up in life. And that's the really way we, pretty amazing if you think about it. Yes, it ex, the you autopilot. Know, that, that would say that 5% of our life, we are really just, you no, know, we are only present right here now, aware of what is going on 5% of the time. Rest of the time, we just, we just let the body do what it can just to operate for us. That's and while we do that, while we do that, we think we are obsessive thinkers and we think about things that, you know, it's going to happen in the future. And we think about things that happened in the past and what, how, you know, the weekend is coming. I have to think about this, you know, I have to finish this, this, um, report for work and I worry a little bit about what I'm and you know only five percent of the time we are really here awake and focused on this moment and um that's that makes it quite obvious that different that is difficult to change habits because if we just you know are running on autopilot all the time so I decided okay I have to figure out how can I become more aware and that's where mindfulness um 
is very relevant. But I also noticed that you can, or learn that you can actually reprogram program the way those programs are in your subconscious. And I did that through meditation. And, and I think it, it, this is not new to people when they hear about it. it it's often joked about in, in movies, but, but I actually started pro, uh, you know, hypnotizing myself almost like for, in the book I described a, a month where I decided to stop swap thoughts and, and um, it, it was, um, it, it was, it was a project I started. I said for four months, I want to reprogram the way that I am perceiving and the way that I am telling myself stories about my situation. I want to, I want to change that. I want to become a person who can see possibilities instead of the limitations. And, um, but it's, it was difficult. I had to train myself to do that. So I said, okay, you give yourself four challenges in four months. And the first challenge was about uh, changing that negative voice that I had in my head, you know, this automatic voice that always said, you know, you can't do this more than you're not good enough. You, you know, don't try new things, you know, protect yourself, you know, all, all those, you know, limiting thoughts that we have. And I said, okay, you have to notice every time that the mind tells you that story. And then you have five seconds to change to a conscious positive thought about the situation. And I did that for, for a whole month. And it and it literally changed the way that I automatically, you know, not fully, of course, I'm still, you know, I'm, I, st I still struggle with this and I probably will for the rest of my life. But I, I, I really changed the way that I quickly judge things and I stopped myself in judging. And I said, wait, does this help me to think about the bus that is constantly late in the shitty rain while people are, you know, all those negative labels that I put on things, can does that help me? And I started looking at the other side of the coin and said, you know, what is actually good in this moment? And I realized that that's actually a choice. All the, all the time it's a choice whether something is good or bad. And, um, and then I started, um, I actually started telling, you know, using my imagination to come up with scenarios I wanted to happen in my life. And then I recorded them on my iPhone or, um, and I, and I put it together with meditation music and then I just put it into my earphones and I just went on through the day with, with those positive affirmations in my ears. And slowly that also changed that autopilot voice that said, ah, oh, this is shitty and this is, and it's, that doesn't work into it. Hey, you can do it. Yeah, you go for it. Try it out. See what happens. So, um, so, so, so meditation, <laughs> the, the ability to focus on what it is that you want instead of what it is that you don't want is, um, is, is something you have to do for, for quite some time until it becomes natural to, to think of that way. And that's, that's what I mean when I say reprogramming the, the subconscious, really to, to focus on what is good and to focus on what is possible instead of you know, what is bad and what is not possible. It's really interesting with your uh, stop and swap challenge that you did. Like at the beginning, how many times a day do you think that was happening? If your subconscious is controlling 95% of uh, what we do and um, most of that is self-preservation or, or, you know, negativity, it seems like that would probably be happening pretty often. Yeah, it did. And, and the, the, the most important thing to do is every time you notice that, again, you are standing here, 
it's raining, you're waiting for the bus, and everything is just shitty and everything. Oh, then you wake up, you get, you know, you, you take your attention back to what is right now. It might be raining, but you notice at the same time you're standing here, your feet is on the, the ground. You can actually feel that you're alive. You start noticing that you're breathing. Whoa, you get, you, you get this, you know, this, this, um, gratitude, this, you know, I'm grateful for what is actually working. I'm alive. You know, it's, it's a new day. The sun will come out and, uh, you know, you, you change the way that you are automatically drawn into negativity by being awake in this moment. And then you can start using your creativity and imagination to think of scenarios that you really want to go for instead of being in where you don't want to go. And, um, and that's, in the beginning, I was surprised by how how often I was, you know, in that negativity mode instead of possibility and uh, positivity mode, and uh, and that kind of was an an eye opener because I noticed it also when I was meeting people, I could decide not to go into into dialogues about oh this is shitty and and you know I hate this guy and he does it, and I just stopped talking and I just started listening to people talking instead of and it, the fun thing is that after a while they, they just stop doing it because it's you know they don't get they don't get fuel don't get for their negativity for, yeah. Yeah, exactly and then you just you just smile to it and you just wait till they're finished and then you start talking yeah but you know and then you I just change the subject and talk about something that i want to focus on instead of you know all this negativity and it's not like i'm better it's not like i'm i'm preaching or telling people that they are wrong by doing what they're doing but i just decide not to go into it i i don't want to go there i'm just grateful for what is right now it's a it's a miracle i'm alive i'm so grateful for my wife and my my kids and my two dogs and and the four degrees of vision that i've left and and you can actually start feeling that something happens in your body when you do that you did the the you release new neurotransmitters in your body like oxytocin and and um, and serotonin and, and, and great things that your body is actually that can actually feel as something that is whoa this is happiness and I created I created it myself it was nothing it was nothing created by somebody out there I did it in in my system and in my my thoughts and uh, and that's well when you get to understand this it's kind of, kind of what people talk to in 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 ancient times about alchemy it's not about changing you know lead into gold it's actually to change your inner chemistry to to get yourself into a creation mode instead of a contraction mode you talk about the uh, inner chemistry and some other brain waves and things that really can get people in the weeds quickly, but I think you did a great job of explaining them kind of in layman's terms. So it's enough for us to kind of understand what it is. And if we want to get real nerded out by that stuff, you give us some resources to, to get into that stuff too. And, and I'm, I'm into that. So I'm going to, I'm going to start, start doing some of your recommended reading. And, uh, one of the, uh, things that I think kind of dovetails into what you just said was you talk a lot about the power of belief um, the placebo effect and yeah. kind of just being here present now. And you yeah. really discovered those things to be pretty, pretty real to you, didn't you? 
Yeah, I um, yeah, I talk actually about a couple of incidents where I really learned about the placebo effect, and um, and it's 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 back to our beliefs. I think uh, you know, I think everyone, but when they think about it, can maybe relate to a moment where where what they believed was kind of shaping what their outcome in life would would become like like it, it is almost like if we really believe something really strongly it shapes the way that we think and act and um and that's that can be good but if our beliefs are negative it, it, yeah, that that's, can be bad. that's not good yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh that's not a good thing so so it's really important. I think it was no, I don't think it was. It was Marcus Aurelius, the uh, the Roman emperor, um, two thousand years ago. He said, you know, uh, happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. And that's that's two thousand years ago, where people actually already at that time noticed that our imagination and our ability to think from you know, a, a pure intention and focus can actually change, literally change what's going on outside of us. And um, so, so getting into all the brainwave stuff and, and all that was helpful for me because I'm, I was, I was a skeptical, I was very skeptical to what could be proved as scientific fact. So I needed a little help in the beginning to, to get me into the more, you know, spiritual side and aspect of life, which is much more easy for me today. It's much more easy for me today to accept something before I understand it, because I know it in my body. I, my intuition tells me this is right. I don't need an, any proof. I, I can feel in my body that this is right and I trust it. And then I go for it instead of, no, I have to see the proofs before. And, and in that way, we never accomplish anything because we can't get proofs for everything and being first movers or you know taking new decisions in life just have that demands of you or it, it it you have to believe in something and have this faith in the process and um and most people are afraid of that because they want to see some kind of proof that what they're going to do now is going to be good for them but it doesn't work that way and the book is full of other great quotes. You mentioned Aurelius there, but like Henry Ford, Viktor Frankl, Steve Jobs, uh, some things in about from Bruce Lipton about um, the power of belief and the placebo stuff. And there's a lot of really great ways that you um, say things to help help us uh, <laughs> common people figure it out. And uh, I just I just think it's fantastic. The Henry Ford quote uh, is I've I've put that on the Instagram. That's a direct attribute to you, and I just think it's fantastic. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right. And yeah, yeah. like, it's, like it's brilliant. <laughs> it's it's really kind of what we've been talking about this whole time is the the power of now, the power of belief, and you just got to change kind of your the way you think about things um, to make it to to make things happen, as opposed to yeah. letting things happen and being on the I, I don't know if offense is the right way to say it as opposed to defense, but I think that's kind of a more of a metaphorical way of saying just you just got to just got to make it happen and believe in the possibilities. Yes, that's right. And um, yeah, as I, as I just said, it's, it's difficult for us to 
to change and to decide to do something different because it feels, you know, it's feel it feels uncertain to go on uncharted territories. We we want to be safe and we want to be secure, and that's that's natural and that's good. But often and often we just have to challenge ourselves to take that you know leap of faith and you know take one step into the un the unknown, and that's when life starts to get you know interesting and but also is it's also when life starts to feel unsecure and uh, and I, I did some things to try to teach me to feel comfortable in that uncomfortability and um it's a, in the book i described where i i decided to uh for 30 seconds uh, lie down on the sidewalk in a in a very populated place and just count to 30 while the inner voice was screaming, no, you can't do this. And and I constantly seek out those awkward moments where I pay really attention to what my inner voice is telling me right now about what I'm doing now that could be judged by people or could be seen, seen as strange and not normal. But I really try to always feel comfortable in the unnormal because that's that's what it takes. And that's I think that's, what what it takes of me to be happy and alive with vision loss this constant curiosity to what is unknown and what might be a new possibility to something great yeah i don't think this is a, a spoiler at least i hope this isn't a spoiler but i think when you discovered when you were making yourself comfortable where you thought other people may be uncomfortable most people really weren't right they weren't even necessarily <laughs> paying attention to you no 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 it was only it was only in my mind yeah. that I thought people would, would, you know, pay attention or think something. Maybe they did, but it doesn't really change anything. You know, it, whatever people thinks about you is just, you know, their way of looking at you, but it doesn't really change you. But we have this, we are really always on, on, alert mode of what people think about us you know am i gonna be accepted if i say this or will people like me if i do that and and uh i i just know another way for me to get over this was to start making cover versions of the songs that i enjoy and have enjoyed for many years and then post them on youtube i have my whole youtube channel is full of cover versions of songs that I just interpret and and that was very very uh stressful for me the first couple of times when I when I uploaded them because oh this is you know what would people think you know you know you know all those thoughts around what people would think was the reason why I was doing all those things because I I felt that I was so limited by 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 fear of what people were thinking about me when I took out my way right cane, what will people think? And you know, I, people didn't know necessarily that I was going blind. And now standing here with my my white cane, what are they thinking? And and I just I I just can't concern myself with with all that. I have I have enough on my plate concerning me about what you know what's going going to happen to me. I can't I can't I can't I can't also be concerned about what people think about me. And that's, um, that's also been a project to sort of 
will get myself free of all those restraints and all those limitations. Well, I've got some work to do. I didn't know about your YouTube channel, so I'll have to go check out those, uh, those covers. And I feel like there's a lot of people that want to make positive change in their life. And I certainly yeah. endorse the book, Sentence to Blindness, Now What?, um, by Morton here. So um, we'll have a link to the book and your website in the show notes and the website at ambiguouslyblind.com. Or it's uh, ambiguous is a big word, Morton. Um, hmm. I misspell it all the time. So the, the short way is amblind.com. Yeah. But tell us what's going on with you and, and where's the best place for people to find find Morton? Well, I'm on social media, so on Facebook, you can find me uh, there, and um, I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, but uh, I also have a website called mortonbunde.dk, and it will automatically transform into an English site when people uh, oh, good. Very good. outside yeah. of the country. Yeah, yeah. So on there, you can, you can read a little bit about the book and uh, also my talk and... Uh, you can actually also uh, get in contact with with me, but but I mostly post things on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. If you uh, if you want to see my my day to day thoughts, it's it's best to go there. Awesome. Okay. Well, the podcast is on Facebook and LinkedIn too, and we're connected with you there, so you can find either of us there at either of the websites. And again, show notes on the um, episode here that you're listening to. So. Morton, I really appreciate your time. Thanks a bunch for joining us and uh, hope to visit with you again sometime soon because I also am trying to write a book and uh, maybe I could use some of some advice from you. So thanks a bunch, Morton. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.